Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we kick off NFC North Crossover Week with Lauren Cox of the Locked On Bears podcast. But first, Mike Evans took to Instagram to join former Buccaneers receiver Lewis Murphy to talk about the acquisition of Tom Brady. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On to save $10 off your first purchase. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayArko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story today. Mike Evans joined former NFL and Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Lewis Murphy on an Instagram video to discuss kind of how things are going right now. Quarantine life. Of course, they talked a little bit of football, and you can't talk football with Mike Evans at this moment in time without asking him about new quarterback Tom Brady. So Lewis Murphy asked him straight up, hey, what do you think about your new quarterback being the greatest quarterback to ever lace up a pair of cleats? How do you feel about playing with it? Bro, I'm, bro, you, you play receiver, bro. I'm, obviously, I'm excited. Like, I mean, I was, James is my dog. Like, that's that's going to be my bro forever, right? Yeah. Like, that's going to be my bro forever. Like, I hope he – I wish him nothing like, but the best. Like, working out together for the state. Uh, man, look, I, be, he, he's been my quarterback the longest – I've ever played football. He's been my quarterback for five seasons. My rookie year, he was still in college. I, I fucked, you know, I played with uh, Josh and, my, and Mike G, Josh McCown yeah. and Mike G, yeah. and I like them too. But I've been with James for five seasons, done most of my career. So I played with Johnny Manziel for two seasons, but I've known him for three. You know what I'm saying? So he's the the, the most that I've been with as as far as like quarterback. So I'm always gonna have love and respect for James. And I think he's a hell of a player. Like, if we didn't get Tom, then obviously I think we was gonna keep Jameis. I don't know for sure. I'm not a. I'm not the GM. I'm not a coach. I obviously wanted Jameis back because that's my bro. Yeah. But the, the opportunity to get Tom Brady, like that's that's Tom Brady, bro. Like that's the greatest of all time. He's a he's a he's a he's a franchise changer. Like he's about to change yeah. the franchise. Like tickets ticket sales are going through the roof. Like primetime games. And he understands the game of football to uh, nobody else understands that level you know, besides <laughs> the greats. And it's yeah. going to be great to work with him. You know what I'm saying? Y- young receiver core we got, you know, the tight ends we got. We got Gronk coming in. You know, it's going to be great for the city. And it's going to be just, just great overall. Hopefully we have a great season. Everybody stays healthy. And it pans out the way we hope. James, I don't know about you, but when I got up this morning and I checked social media and I saw there was a video of Mike Evans that people were just kind of going nuts about, uh, my instant reaction was getting nervous. I think that's just kind of the way that our society works right now. Every time someone famous, whether it be an athlete or otherwise, uh, is is being talked about on social media, it's rarely a good thing. I mean, every time some a name is trending on Twitter, everybody checks why the name is trending to see if that person had died. So, I mean, that just kind of gives you a snapshot. Uh, but speaking of snapshots, I mean, I think what Mike laid down on that live, that Instagram live, you know, stream there with Lewis Murphy is just kind of the perfect way of, of, an, of analyzing this whole situation, you know, that Jameis Winston for all of his, his greatness and all of, all of his talent, you know, the, the ability that he does have, 
did have some flaws. And even, you know, one of his best friends and his, you know, his best wide receiver his entire career is willing to admit it in open forum and, and all that stuff. It's not trash talking. It's not dogging him. It's not, you know, stabbing him, stabbing him in the back by any means. It's just being an honest person and honest friend. And, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit older than, you know, some people are, but I've got a lot of young uh, people who worked for me in the past. And I like to tell them, you know, your friends aren't the ones who hide your mistakes and kind of, kind of cover up and let you get away with stuff you're not supposed to be doing. Your friends are the ones who tell you when you're slipping and tell you how to get better and help you get better so that you don't slip again. Those are your actual friends, not the other guys. Once you leave high school, you know, the guys who just help you cover up for stuff for the guys that may not may or may not go down with you when the plane crashes. Um, and I think in, in this light, Mike Evans is being a true friend to Jameis Winston. Granny wasn't talking to Jameis, but I can almost guarantee that, you know, Mike, is, Mike has had these same conversations with Jameis or they've talked about the turnovers in, in an honest fashion. Uh, and even Jameis himself, you know, earlier in the offseason made an appearance and said, hey, you know, if you're going to get replaced, who better replace you than the greatest quarterback to ever play the sport? So it's kind of hard to take that, you know, to, to heart as an insult necessarily. Uh, but I think I agree. I mean, I think, you know, the, and Jason has kind of said it. There have been reports that, you know, Jameis was kind of that third option behind Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady. Uh, you know, so Teddy or Jameis not, you know, gone but not forgotten type of thing. But I think Mike Evans's excitement about Tom Brady joining the team is honest, as is his opinion of Jameis leaving and and what he has been to him during his career. Yeah, and and of course he says, yeah, you know, he and Jameis are friends. That's always going to be his his buddy. But you know what he said about Tom Brady is absolutely positively true. There aren't any other quarterbacks or or many other quarterbacks that see the game of football the way Tom Brady does. The way he sees the game is reserved for that top tier, that elite of the elite status. You could make the argument that the only two quarterbacks in the NFL today that see the game in that fashion are Tom Brady and Drew Brees. You could throw Aaron Rodgers in there, but I I think it's safe to say that that we have two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you guys that are going to finish one and two here in all these different passing categories playing in the same division. And it was nothing personal against Jameis, but you, even though that's your friend that, that left and now he's playing with Drew Brees and he's playing for a division rival, you have to be excited about the potential of what just walked in. Listen again to the names of the quarterbacks that Mike Evans has played with in his career. Johnny Manziel, Josh McCown, Mike Glennon, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, now Tom Brady. So you can't fault Mike for being excited and and being, you know, anxious to go out and play with a guy like that. He should be more excited than I think anybody else on this team about Tom Brady coming to town. We are going to be joined by Locked On Bears host Lauren Cox in just a moment. But first, you know we got to tell you about Built Bar. David got his latest box in the mail just the other day, and he was telling me before we started recording, this isn't part of the, the ad read, he legitimately told me German, what is it, the German chocolate cake is what it's all about. So I don't know if that has now reached into, into his top three flavors or not. I ordered my second bar just yesterday. I had the peanut butter brownie this morning on my way to work. Oh, is that yummy. That is good stuff. 
you guys can be enjoying these built bars as well. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There's 16 different amazing flavors. There's eight of them that are chocolate and nuts. There are eight of them that are chocolate and nut free. And David, you even said those nut free ones are made in a completely separate area than the ones with nuts. So people with those allergies don't need to worry about any cross-contamination whatsoever. The bars are covered 100% in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. I throw mine in the refrigerator, grab it as I'm heading out the door to work, and it holds up beautifully. That peanut butter brownie that I had this morning, 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and three grams of net carbs. Head over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off your order at BuiltBar.com. While you're there, join the rewards program. They gave me rewards points just for following them on Instagram, which you can do at I'm Built. And you can follow them on Twitter at bar underscore built. Go to builtbar.com, promo code locked on. Kicking off NFC North crossover week here on the Locked On Bucks podcast. David Harrison, James Yarko, joined by Lauren Cox, the host of the Locked On Bears podcast. And Lauren, I'm just going to rip the band aid off here. I'm sure you've been getting this question as much as we've been getting Tom Brady questions. Uh, you know, from covering Jameis Winston for the last five years, James and I are painfully aware of how perception is close to the team versus how perception is outside the team. So I'm just going to ask this, is Mitchell Trubisky really as bad a quarterback as the rest of the NFL watching world seems to think that he is? Maybe not quite as terrible as the rest of the world thinks he is, but I don't think it's that far off. And there's a reason the Bears did not you know, take his fifth-year option and why they went and got Nick Foles. But there's also a reason why they didn't say – go all in on Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers or a number of the other quarterbacks available on the market. I, I personally probably would have gone in one of those other directions, but regardless, the, the team still sees something there, and they're still calling it an open quarterback competition between he and Nick Foles. The consistency just hasn't been there. We, we've seen flashes of great play. I mean, the Buccaneers will remember uh, Mitch's best performance two years ago was at week four, week five, when he tied, we just put up six touchdowns and over 500 yards and just uh, torched that Buccaneers defense in, in by far his best game. And it's like those kind of moments we see flashes, especially in, you know, the final two minutes of some games, he's had some really clutch comebacks where he just seems to turn his brain off and make some just, just play football and make some beautiful, difficult throws that it seems like when he's like going through a normal drive and trying to read coverages and understand the playbook, it's just not all being quite processed the way it's supposed to from the quarterback position. So he's not, he's not great. And it's been three seasons of not great and expecting that to change drastically in year four feels foolish. So he's, he's kind of destined on this, you know, uh, Blaine Gabbert, um, Blake Bortles type trail of maybe being one of these sort of veteran backup quarterbacks that can offer you some mobility and, and have some arm behind it, but not a guy you want to rely on week in and week out. Taking a look at another former uh, first-round pick, a guy taken in the top 10 in Leonard Floyd, he had, a, he had a really solid rookie season, and then it seems like he started to fall off a little bit. Now he's moving on to the Los Angeles Rams. What kind of impact does the loss of Leonard Floyd have on the Chicago Bears defense, and how do you feel he's going to fit in a place like Los Angeles? So I think the Bears were able to upgrade 
with Robert Quinn taking the spot of Leonard Floyd. They, they certainly spent some nice money to get Robert Quinn into Chicago, but definitely an upgrade in terms of the pass rush department. Floyd was just never able to fully develop his pass rushing moves. You know, c- coming out of college at Georgia, he's an elite speed freak off the edge. One of these guys that's just, he's almost like a wide receiver playing edge rusher. It's just explosiveness, it's length, it's bending the edge and it's turning the corner, but he was never really able to develop that full repertoire. He's kind of got an inside move, but pass or pass blockers and offensive linemen were able to pretty well figure him out after that first year. You know, year one is still sort of like, wait, what is this? And he's kind of looping in from everywhere and they didn't really have an answer for him. And now once you kind of get your hands on Leonard Floyd, he's pretty well done. So the pass rushing production was never quite there. He got better in run defense quite a bit and more reliable in coverage as well. But the Bears clearly wanted something better from a pass rushing standpoint. And they absolutely got that with Robert Quinn, even if there might be some drop-offs in some of those other less important areas. So he goes to Los Angeles. He reunites with his old outside linebackers coach in Chicago under Vic Fangio. He's now the defensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams, Brandon Staley. So there's an obvious connection there. And in that rotation over there too, I think he can kind of, I mean, he's still going to be relied on to try and be a big producer, but there's not quite as much. I I think, you know, with Aaron Donald getting that pressure on the interior and some different pieces that they have around him, he's able to be at least able to stunt inside and and make some different moves at least kind of pick up where he left off in Chicago. But I'm not expecting him to be a drastically different player than what he was producing here. And that's going to be, you know, a handful of sacks and some decent run defense and some, some decent coverage, but not a guy that you want to spend a ton of money on the, the way that uh, the bears obviously declined. Now I have a question, Lauren, actually about a player who's still on the roster and, and Tariq Cohen. And uh, when, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected Raymond Clay in the seventh round out of Louisiana Lafayette, Bruce Arians got on the zoom conference with the media and said that he's kind of a Tariq Cohen type of player, not saying that he's necessarily going to have the production or the role that Tariq Cohen has in Chicago with the Buccaneers, at least not in year one, but just kind of that shift year. He called him a joystick player. Uh, you know, so we, obviously we expect a lot of special teams contributions out of him. Uh, Tariq Cohen's a guy that I've been a fan of, you know, ever since the end of the NFL. And I really thought that the Chicago Bears had something in him when they got him. I know, I think, if, remind me if I'm wrong, but I think Jordan Howard was kind of the primary back when Tariq was coming into the NFL. And I really kind of felt like, you know, there, there, was, there was like right on the cusp of the Bears really maximizing Tariq Cohen's potential on the field. But I just kind of feel like, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's like a wall or it's just like a hurdle they can't get over to really kind of make Cohen a, a, an integral part of that offense. Is that just kind of an outsider's you know, lack of perception or is that accurate in your, in your mind? Do you think that Tariq Cohen has been used to his maximum potential or do you think there's more to get out of him? And the second part of that is if Raymond Clay really is kind of a Tariq Cohen type of player, what kind of thing does that player, what, what kind of impact does that kind of a player bring to your offense? So you're spot on in that that's been a big gripe especially mostly last season in particular, uh, for Bears fans with Matt Nagy, feeling like he wasn't able to properly utilize Tariq Cohen. And even Nagy himself admitted to some of that, feeling like, yeah, he, he could have done a better job in hindsight in trying to get some of those things set up. But it was sort of compounded by other offensive challenges, largely quarterback-based. But, for example, for the Bears at tight end last season, their top three starters all finished the year on injured reserve and they did not have a tight end finish the season with 100 receiving yards. I think their leader was at 91 and it's a tight end. No Buccaneers fans will have ever heard of JP Holtz. And so Cohen was, you know, was able to be a bigger focus of opposing defenses because there wasn't that other threat over the middle of the field. So, you know, receivers on the outside were doing their thing, but Cohen was sort of the middle of the field guy where linebackers could really suck up and just kind of 
hug, hug him as close as possible and not give him a lot of room to separate. And I think some of that was Nagy not always putting Cohen in the best position scheme-wise to you know, work more downfield as a receiver the way he showed earlier in his career. He can, he can run routes from a wide receiver position and not just be a backfield guy. And sometimes a little bit of a lack of creativity where it's, he can do more than just catch screens and little flare-outs to the flat and work after the catch that way. But does some of that come back to the quarterback? Maybe not being able to fully read defenses as well as he should or fully understand the playbook or fully understand concepts as clearly as he should. It's, it's this chicken and egg of how much is the coach versus the quarterback versus the receivers that we haven't quite gotten a great handle of. So if the Buccaneers are able to get somebody like Raymond Clias to be a Tariq Cohen type role, it's, it's really making sure that it, the balance is not putting too much on his plate, but ideally you want to have him never be doing the same thing twice in a row. You know, So he could be in the backfield on one play and run an option route and then line him up at wide receiver and run a deep post and then bring him in a slot and run a crossing route. Just do a lot of different things and always make the defense have to know where he is every time he steps on the field because when he has the ball in his hands or, and when he's able to make plays after the catch, he is a home run threat every single time. And And I think the one downside we've seen from Cohen or the one flaw is he tends to be way too east to west running whenever he gets the ball he always tries to work to the sideline instead of just sometimes taking the five yards that are in front of him instead of trying to go for the home run sometimes he's just a little bit too eager to try and break something bigger instead of just taking what was there but still I think he's got a skill set that was not maximized last year and that's a big thing Bears fans are looking forward to looking for that to change in 2020. Now by my count the Chicago Bears had 26 free agent moves if you combine players that were in Chicago that left and players that have now come into Chicago. Which of those do you feel is going to be the biggest gain for the Bears? And which one do you think is going to be the biggest loss for the 2020 Bears? I think Robert Quinn is going to be the big free agent addition in terms of a big upgrade of the pass rush over Leonard Floyd, sort of like we talked about but I think in terms of change this offseason, one of the big things that they'll just benefit from is getting a lot of guys back healthy. There was a big loss on defense, a part of why that defense dropped off. Khalil Mack, even though he played 16 games, he wasn't quite healthy for a lot of those games. Akeem Hicks was hurt. Their linebackers were hurt. They had some injuries, like I said, at tight end and on offense and the offensive line too. So they're just hoping to kind of get healthy and have some of the younger guys continue to take some of those steps forward. In terms of big losses, I think we're looking at deficiencies coming in the secondary. They released Prince of Mukamara, just to, at more of a financial decision than anything, still playing at a pretty high level. And then uh, Haha Clinton Dix was a free agent and they let him sign with the Dallas Cowboys. They replaced him with Tashawn Gibson, who should be a solid veteran addition. But it just feels like the secondary has lost talent over the last three or four years and hasn't adequately replaced them. A few years ago, it was Adrian Amos, who then went and signed with the Green Bay Packers and replaced him with Clinton Dix, who was a little bit of a step down, but still played at a high level. And I think Gibson is another step down that should still be consistent enough to get by. And they, they know their slot hasn't been as good. And now instead of Prince of Mukamara, they've got Artie Burns, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then they used a second round pick, Jalen Johnson from Utah, who's going to be in that, that competition. So there, there's some new faces in there that I'm, I'm not expecting the secondary to be quite as strong, but I think they're hoping that the front seven in particular, both healthy and adding the addition of Robert Quinn, should be better enough to help mitigate some of those secondary question marks and make quarterbacks have to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker and then not have to have guys like Artie Burns or Tashawn Gibson sitting on an island for too long. Now, moving on to the draft, uh, with their first pick in the, in the draft, which came in the second round, as you know, uh, the Bears selected Cole Komet out of Notre Dame which gives them, if I'm counting correct, about two dozen tight ends on the roster. 
Uh, you've already kind of talked about the tight end situation, so that may be part of the answer. Uh, but, I mean, from the outside looking in, man, this looks like a lot of, like an odd stacking of talent at that position. And this is coming from, you know, James and I who cover a team with Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, and Cam Brait. So we're not a stranger to having a stacked tight end room. Uh, but how many tight ends do you think the Bears are going to carry into the regular season? And what is the, the rationale for having this many on the roster at this point? So officially, they're down to nine right now, which is progress from where they were earlier, believe it or not. And there's not a lot of rationale right now. I don't know why they still have nine. To to be totally honest with you, they've had quite a few throughout this whole offseason process. They just released one immediately after the draft. But there's no reason for them to still have this many under contract. And I'm not sure what exactly they're waiting for. But it was clear that they wanted this position upgraded. They feel like this is the critical spot that was missing in previous seasons in Matt Nagy's offense. Taking that Andy Reid system that emphasizes Travis Kelsey so much in Kansas City, and you see Doug Peterson doing a very similar thing with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard now as the two-headed monster in Philadelphia. Having that middle-of-the-field threat to kind of suck some of that interior defense in to then dump it off to the running backs or the receivers around them is so important. So that's why they made Jimmy Graham their priority signing. He was the first player they signed. They probably overpaid for him. They, they paid much more than a lot of the other tight ends got paid for. I, I was particularly critical of how much money they gave Jimmy Graham given where he is in his career, but they feel like he can be enough of a difference maker there to matter. And then, like you said, Cole Komet in the second round, he should be their solid number two tight end this season. And then they got a whole bunch of other guys under contract that they're just sort of a a mishmash of honestly it's like six of the same different looking white guys and then plus a couple of other different looking guys there but if you if you line them up i wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between jp holtz and jesper horstead and ben broniker because they're all just the same generic tight end face but they've got a couple of guys in that group that they like in terms of like high upside recent undrafted rookie free agents that they feel like could maybe develop into something Adam Shaheen was their second round pick in 2017, who's not likely to be on this 53-man roster by week one, full-on bust category as a top 50 pick, which is why there was some hesitation to use another top 50 pick on another tight end, Cole Komet. But Komet seems to have a much higher floor than Shaheen does coming out of uh, Division II Ashland, never quite developed into the baby Gronkowski that he was perhaps unfairly nicknamed coming out of college, but it's probably going to be Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, and Demetrius Harris, formerly of the Cleveland Browns, as their top three. And then probably keep a fourth. They like J.P. Holtz, who was their leading receiver last year at tight end, because he can play some fullback as well. So I would expect them to end up going with four. So why they're still carrying nine in May when you can't even practice with the full group anyway, I'd imagine we're going to see them trim down a couple more, and I, I don't know what they're waiting for, honestly. We are continuing our crossover episode with Lauren Cox of the Locked on Bears podcast. Now, Tampa Bay's first primetime game this year is against Chicago in week five. That'll kick off four primetime games in five weeks, five primetime in seven weeks. And just about every Buccaneers fan has PTSD from the last time the Bucs were in Chicago. What are your thoughts about the Bucs and Bears facing off for that Thursday night game. I certainly think the Buccaneers are rightfully the favorite in that matchup. Right? I mean, anytime it's Tom Brady, you're, you're, I'm not going to be betting against Tom Brady. But I'm sort of curious to see how well, first of all, how well the Buccaneers offense is coming together in terms of you know new quarterback trying to get on the same page with his receivers and new coaching staff and all that. It takes, takes some time for everybody to sort of smooth things out. And will, will week five have been enough time? Maybe. Or will it have been so much time that 
the Bears now have some tape on the Buccaneers and can try and throw something new at them. And will there be a wall there? You know, where in the season are those lines going to fall is one of the initial things that came to mind with that. But then in terms of this Bears offense, will the Bears have the same starting quarterback in week five as they do in week one? You know, will Nick Foles win the QB competition outright and start all 16 games? Or will Trubisky get the week one start and Foles take over when Trubisky struggles? Or and how soon would that be? What's the leash going to be like on whatever quarterback they start the season with? Because I think we're, we're not going to know even by week one necessarily who the week five quarterback is going to be. Because if even if Nick Foles wins the quarterback competition, if he struggles in the first three or four games and they lose to the Lions and they play the Giants, the Falcons, and the Colts right before the Buccaneers, that Colts game is going to be just as hard as, as any game on their schedule. And if, if they're skidding heading into Tampa Bay, do they make a quarterback change to whoever wasn't on the roster? So that's, to me, going to be the most interesting dynamic dynamic but I think the Buccaneers certainly have the firepower that can outshoot the Chicago Bears and I I still am skeptical as to whether a quarterback solution has been found in Chicago I think the Bears defense can give Buccaneers some trouble but I'm not confident that Trubisky can repeat what he did just a few years ago because I think the Buccaneers defense is much much improved and much better coach than it was uh was that 2018 I believe that so I think that would be a I think that's a, a game I would lean Buccaneers pretty strongly but Never say never, because I think a lot's going to change between now and then. Oh, most definitely. And that leads me to the most unfair question of, of your appearance here on the Lockdown Bucks podcast, Lauren. Uh, you've already been kind of touching on it and describing the dilemma in great detail, which I think you illustrated perfectly. Um, but I'm going to force you into an answer, and then we're going to hold it against you uh, months later down in the, once we get to the season. Who is going to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears when the Buccaneers come to town in Week 5? Nick Foles. And I'm very confident that Nick Foles is a better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, he is a better quarterback, but it's a question of what type of opportunity will he have in this quarterback competition and how quickly will he be able to win it? And I think by week five, he will be in place as the starting quarterback. I'm not ready to say for sure that he's going to start week one, but I don't think I don't know that Mitch's leash is going to end up being that long. And I think Foles is going to be the guy that they turn to sooner rather than later. He, he does come in with an advantage over any other quarterback they could have signed this offseason because he worked with Matt Nagy in Kansas City and in Philadelphia at two separate stops. He knows this offense better than any other outside quarterback could have coming in. So he's got a head start in this competition. And I guess it's going to be a matter of when, when teams are even able to practice in person and, and meet and compete in those ways. But Matt Nagy said these guys are going to play in the preseason, unlike similar years, so they should have the kind of opportunities. But I, I think the plan is for Nick Foles to take over sooner rather than later. They paid him enough money to say, we think he's going to be our guy, and Mitch just has one last chance to prove what he can prove. And I think he's proven enough over the last three years. All right, and the final question. You know, we, we know about teams in the NFL that travel really well. The Steelers you know, have that reputation as being one of the best fan bases to travel and you have Cowboys fans all over the place but Buccaneers fans are actually pretty underrated when it comes to traveling and and following their team so for those Tampa Bay fans that are going to be heading to Chicago to see the Buccaneers take on the Bears see Tom Brady in his first primetime game as quarterback of Tampa Bay should these Buccaneers fans get Giordano's or Lou Malnati's pizza for lunch before the game you know I've been doing this Lockdown Bears podcast for like almost three years now, I think. And you are the first person to ever ask me for my Chicago pizza preference. And I, people that, you know, my listeners have never heard me give a Chicago pizza preference. I lean Lou Malnati's, 
but it's not a strong, I'm not like a Lou Melnati's or nothing, you know, give me, give me deep dish pizza or give me death. But I, I would, I would recommend Lou's. You cannot go wrong. I don't think you can go wrong with either, but if, if you got to get one, you're only in Chicago for the weekend. You only want to do it once. I'd go Lou Melnati's, but you're going to be good either way. All right. Well, Lauren, we, uh, we certainly appreciate your time and in, in letting our fans know more about the Bears. Can you let all of our listeners know where they can find your work if they're curious about uh, more brown or more more Bears information? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Cox Sports One. It's like Fox Sports One, but with a C. Uh, I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, so you can see some of my stuff with them. And then I also write about the Bears on the Bears Wire, which is part of the USA Today Sports Media Group and, and the Wire Network. So a little bit of everything on, on Twitter with that and lots of good football talk as well. And I appreciate you guys doing this. It's always fun to kind of cross over with the network and get some you know more uh, localized expertise on these teams that uh, we just don't quite get from the outsider's perspective. Absolutely. And of course, we'll be talking coming up on the crossover episode on week five, right before Thursday night football when the Bears and Bucks will take center stage. Again, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you, brother. Hey, anytime. Looking forward to it. But as for us, we are out of here. Of course, you guys know the drill. You can check out everything over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks. And at Bucks underscore Nation, you can send in your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. Like that. Yep. It's like this and like that and like this, Senna. Thanks. Thanks for that work I have to do now. <laughs>